Welcome to Second City Liberty, a Chicago-centric podcast that takes a look at politics, current events, sports, and pop culture through the lens of liberty. I'm your host, Jim Hume. Thanks for tuning in. According to a November 2022 study by Northwestern University economists, one in five Chicago-area households experience food insecurity. Black and Latino households are affected by food insecurity at nearly double the rate of white households. Many families and individuals face hunger due to homelessness and inadequate income, while in underserved communities on Chicago's west and south sides, lack of convenient access to stores and markets creating food deserts in several neighborhoods. There are dozens of NGOs, faith-based institutions, community cooperatives, and nonprofits fighting hunger in the Chicago area, but the one that is near and dear to my heart is the Shaiditarod Foundation and their annual Shaiditarod Food and Fundraiser. With a name based on the Alaskan dog sled contest, Shaiditarod is an urban shopping cart race that scrambles through the streets of Chicago's near west side neighborhoods in a parade of pageantry. Competing teams de- uh, design and decorate shopping carts and costumes while also raising money for the foundation and collecting non-perishable food items benefiting the Greater Chicago Food Depository. This year's event is happening this upcoming Saturday, March 4th, 2023. My guests today are a couple of the core organizers of Shaiditarod, Leslie Engel and Alicia Balog. Leslie and Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having us, Jim. <laughs> for sure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, I know you guys are busy with the uh, event coming up next weekend, so uh, I appreciate you taking time. Um, but let, let's start off maybe uh, introducing yourselves uh, and kind of what your roles are within the organization. Uh, good way to kick off. Sounds good. Uh, as Jim said, my name is Leslie Engel, and I have been a co-organizer and foundation board member for quite some time. This will be my 10th Shaiditarod. This is the 18th annual, so I'm a little more than halfway through. Uh, I serve mm-hmm. as someone uh, on the foundation board. Part of our role is the grant process, which I know is something we're going to talk about. But for the race and the event itself, I am the fundraising and incentives lead and also one of our master judges. Uh, and I'm Alicia Balog. I've been a racer since 2015, uh, but actually just recently joined the board in the last year. And so been kind of helping gear up for our first uh, should my first Shadidrat as a kind of board member. <laughs> Exciting. So you get, you get to see it from, from all angles. Yes. <laughs> Full transparency. I've been a, uh, a racer in this uh, race, uh, geez, numerous, numerous times as well. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I've also been involved in, um, some of the, the grant process. So it's, uh, it's a, it's an organization that is, is like I said, near and dear to my heart and, uh, is an inspiration for sure. Um, Maybe Leslie, uh, you could maybe tell us a little bit about the history of uh, of the uh, of the foundation and and how it all got started. Absolutely, um, our founder Devin Breen had a kind of ins- moment of inspiration and a vision when he went to his first Burning Man, and he turned to one of his mentors who was from Chicago and also part of the Burning Man community, Tom Laporte, and Tom said go for it. 
This is why we do what we do. We go and have our minds, as Devin likes to say, our minds cracked open. And he had a vision of actually borrowing from an event that already existed in both Portland and New York City. They had shopping cart races, but they were rogue. The idea was that the shopping carts and the pub crawl and all the costumes and craziness, they were trying to outrun the police. And in fact, the Portland event no longer exists. The one in New York still exists. It's called the Idiotarod. And they just celebrated their 20 year anniversary. So Devin asked permission of the Idiotarod and said, do you guys mind if we do this here in Chicago? And they said, oh no, go for it. But Devin was smart because he and his wife, Liz Breen, had a conversation and said, this is Chicago we are going to get in so much trouble. How do we do this and not get arrested? And immediately it struck him, if we're pushing shopping carts, let's collect food. Let's make this something that is philanthropic instead of just fun. And then we will have the city on our side. And so from the beginning in 2006, we have always been collecting canned goods for a variety of organizations, but as time went on, we eventually just landed on the Greater Chicago Food Depository because they serve so many organizations. Mm -hmm. And then in 2006 was when we actually started collecting money and then began the grant program. Um, so I know it, uh, uh, it's 100% volunteer driven, which is uh, which is great. Uh, which is what I love about the about the event and the organization. How it's it's all done through volunteers. Um, what motivated uh, you to to be involved in the uh, in the organization, Leslie? So I had first heard about it from a friend of mine who I think we've never figured out exactly what it was, but I think she ran in year two because this is just a woman I know who will go and do every single thing in Chicago that's imaginable. And then she just tells people about it. <laughs> and she had told a story. Let me tell you, the understanding and the vision that I had of what this thing was, was very different from the reality. But uh, I happened to be doing a different event with a group of friends and they brought in some other friends and they really loved what we were doing. And they said, hey, this small group of you, we would like to invite you to join us in March to do something that we think you would like. And it's called Shididarod. And before my friend Ty had the D in Shididarod out of her mouth, I said, oh my God, yes. And she said, wait a minute, do you want to know anything? I said, nope, I want to do it. Why? I've heard about this. I have been trying to figure out where the heck it is and how it happens. I want to do it. She said, you realize that we don't race. We run a checkpoint. I said, don't care. Just want to be part of this thing. And so I did. I became a judge in my very first year. Really had no idea what I was signing up for, but I kind of did. And um, that was it. I was in love. And I think it was, I believe it was after my second year when they opened up positions for the board. And I said, wait, you mean I can do more with mm. this crazy group of people and do more good? I'm down. 
and they select me. Uh, Alicia, I know you said you were a uh, a racer. You've been involved in the, as a participant. Uh, what kind of motivated you to to get involved more with the uh, with the foundation? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I mean, a big part of it is I like I've been racing for so long, and I just saw how much money this just kept generating, and I was kind of mind blown at how such like a really relatively small organization could do so much. Um, I thought that was really, really inspiring. And uh, honestly, the just like fighting hunger is just such a basic need. It just seemed it was just something I really care about. I mean, I hate food waste. I hate that. And like those morals into it of itself, the morals at the standing when during participating just spoke to me. And then uh, last year, I got to help with the grant review process for the first time. And that was really like, I mean, really seeing the behind the scenes of like all those grants, reading all those stories and just seeing how many of these organizations that are trying to do so much with so little and how a smaller nonprofit can really make a huge impact um, to some smaller organizations was just like, it's like doing the most with the least was really, really exciting. And I wanted more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, again, as someone that was also been involved in, in some of the, 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 uh, decision-making process on the, on the grants. It's really great to see how that, how that money gets used. Um, maybe, uh, uh, Leslie, uh, probably the right one to ask for this, but are there some notable, um, grant programs, uh, that really kind of have spoke to you in the past or, or even ones that, uh, some, some that are probably, uh, a, a success story over, over the, the last decade or so. Sure. Um, well, from the start, when we only had like $25,000 to give, and so, you know, we were only get, our maximum has historically been a $5,000 grant, which is technically a micro grant. So we knew that if we gave everyone $5,000, we were going to have maybe five grants to give. And the first year, the first thing that I fell in love with was an organization called Sukasa, And what they were telling us was, their main refrigerator in their soup kitchen was on its last legs and they couldn't afford to buy another one. And while all of the stories are compelling, we always feel like we want to give everybody all the money, which of course we can't. If, if I ever win the Powerball, I will make <laughs> sure that everybody gets a grant. But so far I have not succeeded in that. I'm clearly not trying hard enough. But what I loved about what Sukasa was asking us for was kind of to the point that Alicia was just making. $5,000 was an insurmountable amount of money for Sukasa, but it was easy for us to give it to them and solve a problem for them for probably the next 10 to 20 years. And that just, I mean, I'm getting chills up my spine again, just thinking about that moment. And it almost became a running joke, and rightfully so, that anyone who's asking for, for durables, I'm gonna raise my hand and say, give them the money. Because what a wonderful way to make a really concrete, long-term kind of, of difference. So that was one that was memorable. And also for many years in a row, in fact, we were supporting an organization the group is called the Figueroa Wu Foundation. And we found out about them because one of our racers 
worked with one of the founders of this group mm -hmm. and they had just started the Pilsen Food Pantry. They have been a huge success story because really it was a, a tiny little organization. They had been together and had their charter for like six months when they found out about us. We gave them money. We gave them additional money throughout the pandemic. They have, we have seen them move to a much larger space. We have seen them uh, off the top of my head. I haven't done the full research on this, but it's something like triple or quadruple the number of people who they were able to serve from the start. And, and that's the sort of thing that just, it, it makes you feel like you, first of all, the reminder that we all have so much that I have the privilege of sitting back and having fun on this day and doing work to help other people, but seeing how just $5,000 can be life-changing is is really what um, it makes my makes my heart sing. Yeah, there's some uh, you know there's some really great programs and and you know I I know from uh, personal experience um, with trying to maintain like a like a like a, a love fridge or a community refrigerator that um, uh, it if that equipment goes down then then you know that's it that's that's uh that is like a beacon of food for, for an entire community. And, uh, uh, when I was filling these fridges, we do it like we, we do it, uh, like two or three times a week. And every time we'd go, it, 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 we'd fill it up and we'd go back and be empty. So it's, uh, it's really something that, that people rely on in, in so many different neighborhoods here in Chicago that, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, you know, that, that refrigerator going down is, is, is terrible. And, and, uh, being able to replace that, with uh with a functioning unit is is gonna you know keep them keep them going for for years to come uh, but there's been other things such as uh uh community gardens that i know that uh, uh have been involved in um and and uh, uh kind of runs the gamut of, of a bunch of different types of uh community organizations and nonprofits that have benefited from from the efforts of the shadirod foundation so I, it's great uh one of my one of my one of my favorite uh, groups here in the city, but um, uh, we do have the event coming up. the The race is coming up this uh, this Saturday this weekend. Um, it it it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to try to throw this uh, video, yeah. video on here. I think this is from uh, that's from year ten. From hmm. year ten. Yep. Uh, let's see. Great. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe tell me a little bit about some of the your favorite um, uh, teams or or costumes uh, designs that have uh, uh, you've gotten a chance to judge over the years. Um, there's a lot of teams that like to race to win, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, for the most part, teams are out there uh, having fun and coming up with some some cr really creative uh, creative ideas for for carts. Oh my God, absolutely. I was telling someone the other day, it, it's been years since I remember seeing the true racers. We used to have one or two carts of, uh, at my, to best my recollection, it was all men and they were in what was definitely running gear. Their cart was not decorated. All it had in it was a case of Gatorade. And these guys were 
basically figuring out the most fun way that they could get in a five mile training run. <laughs> and, you know, you, they get to a checkpoint and they'd stop and stretch out. So there are still people who run for time. My feeling is why have fun. There's stuff happening at every checkpoint. There are games. You have to stay there for 25 minutes. You may as well have a cocktail, have a snack and engage with some of your fellow racers. Um, in terms of memorable carts, oh, where do I start? Well, Jim, you have been part of the epic category known as the art cart. Correct, yes. <laughs> also inspired by Burning Man, these are carts that do not fit through standard doorway. They have special rules. Um, you don't have to go to all five checkpoints because oftentimes it's just too big. For both to both for comfort, that. not for speed. I like <laughs> yes, yes. That's a perfect way of putting it. Um, and I think I have always been blown away by what the secret gentlemen bring in. In fact, in recent years, it's kind of become a running joke for people to hang around me when they know that the secret gentlemen are about to show up because inevitably I'm looking in the wrong direction. And I suddenly turn around and I just freak out. I don't really have a poker face unless I'm actually playing poker. So apparently it's very entertaining to watch my response. But how do you not have an over-the-top reaction when a life-size school bus pulls up behind you? Yes. Yeah, let me see if I can... Uh... When a, a four-vehicle circus train comes around the corner when a two-story riverboat comes in with a friend of yours riding on top here, of it here comes the cool bus as, yes. as, we, as we called it that year um i don't know if it was two scale but it was it was pretty close um, it was it was close enough for me because you guys pulled up right behind me i was standing outside of the yard with Devin having a conversation and he was watching this thing come up behind me and he was kind of smirking at me. And I said, finally said, Devin, what's so funny? And he just kind of nodded and said, turn around. <laughs> and the, it was seriously two feet behind me. I had no expectation of something that big. Uh, yeah, we've always tried to go, go as big as possible um, with some, some crazy ideas, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, what I like about that clip too is just the unsuspecting neighborhood that you're literally trolling through and just like the random paths, people who are just living their lives and a giant bus pulls by. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's happened before. Like you know, all of a sudden there'll be like a car wanting to, uh, to go through the intersection and they're a little annoyed and then they see this giant school bus and inevitably they pull out their phones or they, they're taking video, they're laughing. So it's, uh, it's all in fun. Sure. But to your point about the surprise of the neighborhoods, which I think is part of the game, is just acting like we're doing something normal. And anyone who's staring and thinking it's weird, they're the ones who in, aren't in on the joke. Mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago, right before the pandemic, uh, a good friend of mine who knows that I've been involved with Shaiditarod forever, but has never been able to attend, called me the next day and said, hey, um... So I was in West Town because I was running an errand and I turned around and like a Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade float was coming down the street 
and it looked like a riverboat out of Tom Sawyer. Uh, that was you guys, right? I said, yeah, that's that's Shaitarat. <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe to just uh, for you know people who aren't familiar, uh, explain a little bit about the uh, uh, kind of not necessarily the rules, but like the route and 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 the course and 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 the checkpoints and and how that all how that all works. Sure. So the concept, as you mentioned earlier, is kind of based on a famous Alaskan dog sled race, where everybody starts off at a certain point. You have to go to checkpoints. When you get to those checkpoints. You have to stay for a certain amount of time. Then you're allowed to leave and move on. So after everyone leaves the start, there are five different checkpoints at five local establishments. And everybody has to stay there for 25 minutes. There's a check-in table. There's a check-out table. While they're there, they play games. They hang out. Um, and there are a multitude of routes. We try to keep this really interesting and keep people on the move. So we'll have usually somewhere between like four and eight carts that are in a group. And then that group is following a specific route. We will have between 17 and about 25 different routes mm -hmm. every year. Because yeah, you don't want all the, carts, all the carts taking the same route at the same time because that's going to be too much. So uh, having them go to different routes and different checkpoints and and the checkpoints are also, you know, pageantry. They're decorated. They're themed. Uh, yeah. all, the, uh, all the checkpoint hosts are, are usually in wonderful costumes, and they have games that are related to whatever, uh, whatever concept or, or theme that, 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 they're, that they're portraying. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it's fun on the streets, and, and it's fun in the, uh, in the bars that participate. It is. And I am honored to be a part of, we call ourselves Mundus Absurdus is our team name, but that is our checkpoint team. We are at Phyllis's Musical Inn, which is the only checkpoint that has been part of Shaididarad since the very beginning. And it's a tiny little space, but we make it work. And, you know, the general public is allowed to kind of play along with us. The doors are open at all of these establishments people are still welcome to come in. In fact, when they do, they're helping us out because all of our checkpoints are really generous and they give us a percentage of the profits that they make on race day. Yeah, right. So uh, uh, kind of attracting the general public to participate in some of the checkpoints is, is, is a benefit to the, uh, to the organization for sure. And a way to promote the organization to people who may not even know it exists. No, absolutely. I've talked to so many people that like, either saw it, you know, saw this going by their apartment window or were in a bar where it happened to like, how do I, how do I do this next year? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's what keeps growing it and growing it. Do you have an idea of uh, how many, how many racers, how many participants or how many teams you have, uh, have going on this year? Yes, we have a slightly smaller field this year. We have uh, 60 carts and that's at five people per cart. You have a, a, a musher and four dogs not actual dogs, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, but so we have 300 racers with 60 carts this year. That's a lot. It's a lot. On average, sometimes we generally have maybe about 90, but you know, we're all still kind of getting used to having a normal life again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
and uh, uh, the fundraising portion of uh, of the of the event, uh, the the teams are fundraising uh, ahead of the actual start, and uh, they're collecting money, they're collecting food, and uh, uh, at before the start of the race, they they bring the food in for uh, for drop off. So they're not running through the streets with their carts full of food. Uh, they're 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 bringing in food, but. How much food is is brought in uh, typically for these uh, for these events as well? Great question. Um, on average, over time, we have been, and certainly in the last several pre-pandemic years, we've been averaging between twenty-five and thirty-five thousand pounds of food collected for GCFD, and that to me is actually one of my favorite parts of the day because as the teams come to check in, every team must bring a minimum of 69 pounds of food, but the vast majority of them go well beyond that. We always have a couple of teams who actually make arrangements to do a drop-off in advance because we have folks who have been able to collect between two and 5,000 pounds of food on their own, and so they make a special drop-off in advance. But watching each cart stop between these two five-ton Greater Chicago Food Depository trucks, and there's a table, and there's a scale, and there are people who work for GCFD, and they weigh your food, and they thank you, and they load it on the truck, and it just, it's so wonderful to see all of that food piling up. And I feel like with the requirement, too, it's a nice, uh, like, tax upon entry, if you will. It keeps it keeps the the event honest. I feel like there's lots of random charity bar crawls throughout the city, but this one feels the most most uh, honest, as in the the keeps people come. The people that come really do want to contribute. I mean, it's incredibly easy to get sixty nine pounds. Yeah, it, it doesn't take too much, and of course, that's you know that's what the event's all about. So, kind of having that as yeah. your as your. Uh, as your way to, to, to enter is, uh, is what it's all about. So, um, the, the event's always held here in Chicago, uh, in early March and, um, uh, the weather can be, can be interesting. Um, I, I, I can remember racing in snow, sleet, rain, uh, 50 degree weather, 60 degree weather, 20 degree weather. Um, <laughs> It can really be anything uh, at any time. So uh, maybe talk about you know how how different years and, and different weather conditions have have affected the race. Well, I, I agree. I have seen just about everything in in ten years. In fact, last year when we had a kind of muted version of the event that we called a block party, block Diderod. So everyone gathered in the start area we just never left there so that we could keep everything outside it got up to 70 degrees it and it was delightful bananas it was yeah it was so <laughs> you were there alicia it was phenomenal but it also made me laugh because i realized that that was 50 degrees warmer than my first shaydiderat oh, however wow. we do have a saying and that is there's no such thing as bad weather only poor wardrobe choices. I feel like that's a Midwest, just the Midwest in general, but yes. Right. 
<laughs> it should be. I mean, it's the first Saturday in March. Yeah. Well, it's the fun. difficulty comes in, you know, when, when you're, when you're on a team on a, on a racing team and you're, you're planning your, your costumes and your outfits, it's, it's like a kid on Halloween. If it's cold and I have to put a jacket on, I'm going to be pouting a little bit because, because uh, it's too cold. So you have to kind of, you have to kind of judge your, your costume choices accordingly mm -hmm. as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's always the hardest. Uh, but, but looking at the f the ten day forecast, not to jinx anything, it looks pretty good for next weekend. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed for that. Yay! <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so with the event happening next weekend, uh, obviously we're, we're 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 past the deadline for additional entries. That's full. But how can people still participate and 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 contribute to uh, to the Shaitirad? There are several different ways. Uh, first of all, as Alicia was mentioning, we have a, a bunch of fundraising teams. In fact, I'm sure that anyone who's listening who wants to make a donation specifically to Alicia's team is welcome to do so. <laughs> uh, fundraising does get competitive. We have, we have great incentives. I like doing a lot of shopping for fun gifts to incentivize people to make donations, it, it, they're given out to the teams. Some of the teams actually give those gifts back out to some of their larger donors. So uh, you can find our campaigns on Classy and you can make a general donation or you can make a donation to one of the teams. Uh, we also this year have a limited entry ticket for what we're calling super fans. And that is a ticket that's $20 plus fees and it gives you the opportunity to actually come into the yard with the racer. So you get to hang out in the start area and see the GCFD trucks and see all of the pageantry. It's nice because this is the one area where everyone can kind of relax. No one's really putting on their show or doing their presentation, but they're still seeing each other's costumes, having breakfast and just sort of enjoying the, the buildup to the day. We have music, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and that will also, the ticket will also give you entry to the awards ceremony later that night out on Navy Pier. We have, uh, I think we have a cap of 100 tickets available. So there are still more. Uh, again, you can also just come hang out at the checkpoints to see what's going on. Follow racers from one place to the next have a drink, have lunch, enjoy yourself at one of those establishments. Mm -hmm. I think I'll throw up the, the website if all that information is available uh, yep. to, to look at uh, shaiditarod.org. So uh, looking forward to to this weekend. Um, I'm going to be shooting some video and doing some interviews out there to uh, put up on my YouTube channel after the event is over. So uh, it should be exciting. People who are learning about it for the first time, please go to shaiditarod.org um, and you can donate all year round. You don't have to wait for uh, for the uh, for the race to event uh, to to donate. But uh, you know, every every little penny is going to help to uh, to fight hunger here in Chicago. So true. GCFD in particular has quoted that they can make three meals out of every dollar. So for someone who says, "I only have five dollars," goes a long way. It really absolutely. does. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast here today. Um, 
I, I hope a lot of people uh, have learned about the uh, the event and the organization and continues to grow from here. And uh, maybe uh, uh, either or both of you can jump on uh, again um, down the road and we can kind of go over uh, what uh, the results of, of the uh, of the event this year and maybe some, some other programs that you're working on. But uh, again, I appreciate you uh, joining me today and uh, best of luck. Yeah, hope to see you at the race. Yeah, thanks <laughs> so oh, much. Yeah. I'll, we'll I'll see you in there. the yard. Thank you. <laughs> And thank all of you for joining me. If you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button to stay updated on the latest episodes. If you're tuning in through Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app, click follow to stay in the loop. You can also follow me on Twitter at Second City Liberty. That's the number two, ND City Liberty. Check out my website, www.secondcityliberty.com. And if you have an idea for the show or a guest that you would like to see appear on the podcast, shoot me an email, jim at secondcityliberty.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay strapped, and stay based.